Welcome to the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast presented by Alan Mukwena. On this show, we interview entrepreneurs running growing businesses and changing the world. We discuss how they started, the hurdles they faced, and the tools they use so we can learn from them. Listen to our podcast and you will see that you can do it too. Hello, I hope everyone is okay. We have quite an interesting episode for you this week. We interviewed David Ando, founder and CEO of People's Way. Their vision is to be a global bank that builds and operates smart cities for their members. They are using blockchain technology to power the work that they do. David is quite an interesting guy who has had an interesting journey. I was very impressed by his vision. Plenty to take away in this one. Buckle up, folks. Let's go. David, welcome to the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast, where we meet with uh, founders that are doing things across the world. We hear their stories so as to inspire other people that are thinking of going into entrepreneurship and people that are on the journey. Thank you so much for making the time, uh, David. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. David, could you give us a little bit uh, on your background? Sure. So I was born in Canada in 93, and because of my father's civil engineering career, I had the opportunity to travel across the U.S., everywhere from Maryland to Arizona and California. 2011, my family moved back to the U.S., and I started my journey. I continued my journey as an international student in the U.S. Along that journey, I just fell in love with technology and IT and media and eventually money management. By the time I was 16, I started my own investment firm with my father, I started with $200 and kind of grown it to be a lot more than that at this point. And as you know, we're taking on the EcoCity Ghana project, which is uh, massive over on the other side of the world. Oh, fantastic. Do you have any ties to Ghana? Why, why Ghana? So my family's from Ghana. Both my mother and my father were born in Ghana. Oh. Um, they moved over here after some time. Yeah. All right. Do you visit? Uh, do you have family in Ghana still? We do have some extended family. I went once when I was a baby. And then I actually just took a three-month trip there where I was on the ground, meeting the locals, meeting my family, and obviously moving forward our project. Oh, fantastic. So what does People's Way do? Yeah, so at the highest level, People's Way is an investment management and technology company. And so our goal is to raise capital, manage that capital, um, flow that capital through a banking system when the time is right, and allow people to borrow traditional credit or what we call governed credit. Governed credit is, let's say, blockchain-based, and it's a part of our integrated banking ecosystem. And it's the greater technology that we will use to manage and provide the resources that our members need as they live in our smart cities that we build. Right. So the smart city in Ghana is the first of many planned smart cities across Africa or across the world. What is your scope? So to this day, we've gotten interest from some other African countries. Um, so I can, I can honestly say across Africa. But we also have plans to extend to the U.S. Um, and to Canada. But those would be more regional hubs as opposed to uh, smart cities. Right. So how does your business model work? You set up the smart city. Do people then borrow to build within the smart city? How does it all work and how does it all come together? That's a really good question. So there are some smart city 
models whereby the developer will establish the infrastructure and then allow external developers to come in and kind of build certain specifications or get their plans approved. Our model is a little different. We're smaller in our size compared to Go Atlantic, for example, in Nigeria. And our thesis is that if we build our vision, our multi-purpose, both commercial and residential vision, then people can move into that and kind of adopt our entire governance system. Um, like I said, it's an ecosystem of many different industries and end products that we're giving to our members. And we think that if we use an ecological design planning mechanisms, then we can really build the smartest and most accessible city possible. Very interesting. So how, how do you make money from that model? Like I said, it's both residential and commercial real estate. So traditional leases are the foundation of the great okay. operation. Okay. Banking. And from the banking perspective, uh, it's a net interest margin. We're extending loans um, and we're charging our interest on those loans as well. Uh, all right. No. Thanks for that clarification. So um, back to your entrepreneurial journey. You started at 16. How did that come about? Was it you, you started with your father? Yeah, so at 16, my father and I started almost the same little two-prong partnership where he does some of the engineering and I do some of the IT technical like youth type things. I mean, we just raised the fund. And so for me, that was buying and selling PlayStation 2 video games, fixing iPhones and MacBooks, and then that led into a prosperous photography business that I had and managed for many years. That's interesting. Have you ever been employed? Have you ever been in formal employment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. So I worked for one of my dad's consulting firms. I had a short stint with the Royal Montreal Golf Club, which I'm excited to do some work with them in the future in terms of golf and going internationally. And I also played some professional basketball. I did a preseason oh stint with the Halifax Hurricanes over in Canada. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right. So, so how did how did you make the transition from at 16, you're starting this thing with your dad, you're going out as an entrepreneur, you're pretty much a free spirit, I would suppose, from that into employment and then back into entrepreneurship? So I had a very unique journey mm. uh, in the U.S. I went to four different high schools, five different colleges. Some of my transferring, most of my transferring was because of my basketball career. I was a very right. talented basketball player. I got the opportunity to transfer. Another aspect is just like coaches left. And so as I was exploring and transferring in, in these new social settings, I just kind of started to understand the economics. And so like my photography business went to my marketing business and I had a client who was a K through 12 school and they just kind of needed a revamp. They wanted to increase their enrollment numbers. And so I started doing my feasibility studies as part of my MBA program. And I realized that there was a greater need in the, in the, in the region. Okay. And so I pitched an investor for $50 million before I knew what I was doing at all. Wow. Uh, I still don't know what I'm doing. I pitched someone asking for $50 million. And I said, look, this is my end goal. The plan wasn't finished. She said, look, go finish this plan and come back. 
And I did exactly that. I raised my first fund. It wasn't that much, much smaller. That allowed me to do six months of feasibility studies, do research before realizing that in my position as an international student, I wouldn't be able to secure the amount of financing I wanted as fast as possible. So I decided, look, I have an opportunity in Ghana with my father. He's always wanted to build there. We decided we could do something bigger there on land that we have and then kind of bring it back to the satellite campus in the U.S. Wow, you've had quite an interesting journey. Yeah. So about doing business in Africa, how have you found it? Because a lot of people that come from the West have got mm-hmm. uh, conceptions about Africa. And sure. yeah, sometimes things are quite different on the ground. What has your experience sure. been working in Africa? You know, I was there for three months and I had a great experience, but there were some things that were difficult to deal with. Yeah. I would say the traffic congestion. It yeah. takes too long to get to essential places. That's probably primary. Another issue that I think is not necessarily specific to Ghana is some of the sanitation infrastructure Yeah, um, is outdated. Mm. And it just makes me upset because those same characteristics that we find in Ghana would not be acceptable in other places in the world. True. And there are enough resources out there, if managed and stewarded properly, that can eradicate the issues that a country like Ghana is dealing with. And so in my time there, I tried to pay really close attention to those things. What were the minute characteristics of this place that I think that I can address initially, help address, empower the people there to address? You know what I mean? So it was those things. It was how long it takes to get things done, Mm. whether you're going to different offices or different agencies, and some of the expectations that I wasn't aware of when I first got there. Were you able to interact with the authorities in Ghana? I did. Yeah, I had a couple encounters, obviously, because of the scale and vastness of our project. It takes some conversations with some important people. So, yeah, I had a few interactions and they were pleasant. They were great. They were respectful. I think they honored where they came from and where they are, that being Ghana. All right. What role do you see the diaspora playing in Africa's development? I think it's essential. Look, (laughs) I think if you really read the Constitution of the United States of America, Mm. some things will be highlighted to you. And you realize that your possession and your ownership is in a gray area. And so I think that as the world becomes more global, mm. as we enter into a post-modern world or post-nationalist world, mm. we should start to explore what it could be like to live this ideal of America mm. in Africa. Yeah. Well, what could Africa do to attract more interest from entrepreneurs uh, that are in the diaspora or that are of African origin, that are not on the continent? You know, honestly, my honest answer to that question mm. is that they should call me. They right. should call me. Let's together build out the future of Ghana, which is Eco City Ghana. Mm-hmm. And then let that be the hub for the diaspora coming into the region, coming onto the continent, getting their feet wet, exploring the opportunities, and allow us to back you in those opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. That's the staple that we want to make. Look, when you're ready to come here, your due diligence, we can help you. Your market evaluation, we can help you. Mm-hmm. We'll set a foundation for you. Let's talk about your business plan. Let's talk about your goals. And we will make sure that happens. Right. I'll so put you in the right like, position to make that happen. Fantastic. So that is kind of like a hub that facilitates investment into Africa from people that are in the diaspora and helps them to navigate the local challenges. Exactly. 
yeah, there's so many profiles that you can attach to our venture. And that is definitely one of them. We are that startup incubator. We are that business consultant. We are that exploratory, I guess, incubator would be another word for that. But yeah, that's us. That's what we want to be to everyone, both local, both international, west side of the world, etc. It's quite a big vision. So where are you in realizing that vision? Great question. Yes, it's a massive vision. And it's because of our team and the people who have helped us that we've gotten this far. So I'm beyond thankful for everyone that's been involved. Um, but it's also like a shout to order for everyone else. Like, this is a legacy. This is a legacy situation where we mm-hmm. can come in, yeah. where we can work alongside local people mm. to establish something for ourselves. Mm to establish something that welcomes all people, high net worth people, people of low socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter where you sit financially. Mm. We will meet you where you are, assess your financial situation, and Mm. provide the best life possible for you. Mm. Mm. What about that that is not appealing for the diaspora? For the continent too. Right. Mm. Right. So like, yes, big vision, but we're starting small and that's small for us as city number one. Right. So a, a lot of initiatives that I've seen focusing on the continent, especially with an infrastructural component, right. require political buy-in. Sure. And with the way that the political cycles go, Sometimes a good initiative starts with sponsorship of certain political actors mm-hmm. who then depart from the scene. How are you sure. how are you navigating sure. that? Is that something that you've got a plan for? Yes, I definitely think so. I think mm. when you look at the geopolitical landscape in African countries, specifically in Ghana. Mm. You do see that trend. Mm. That has been the case historically. Mm. I think that there's a consciousness that things can be a little bit better mm. 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 in Ghana. Yeah. People, people are more aware and are more in tune that change needs to happen. And change always happens slowly. And so when we look at the current presidency, the next three years, and then whoever steps in or continues after that time, we want to align with them to make sure that we as a country are prioritizing our people's needs Mm. and the safety of our people. Mm. And based on the growth and the construction and the development happening in the country, if it's in the best interest to move forward with one of our projects, we'll advocate for that. And if within their greater plan, we realize that maybe there's something else we need to explore. We're an investment firm, right? So if there's something else we need to explore and we have the capital base to do that, then we'll explore that. But we want to work alongside government. Mm. I want to make that clear. It is a private project. We are doing yeah. this outside capital, but we mm. want to work alongside government. Yeah, it's, it's just that I found some other very good, well-intentioned projects 
focusing on Africa, mm-hmm. struggling with the geopolitical issues that Africa presents. But businessmen of goodwill can certainly do well in Africa. Now, back to David, the entrepreneur. Where do you derive your inspiration from? Great question. I think that one of the, there's a saying or it's a mm. phrase I've heard that yeah. there are enough resources on our one planet or Earth to satisfy right. the needs of like seven planet Earths. And that makes me upset because there's people who live in poverty, there's people who don't have clean water, there's people who don't have clothes to put on their back. And that's not, that should not be the case. Mm. Mm. And as a believer and somebody who loves Jesus, my faith, I feel called to challenge that. Mm. And called to speak up against that. And this is just the creative way that I feel like God is using his vision to manifest something good for his people. Mm. So that's all I'm trying to be, is just a vessel. Mm. It's quite interesting that you're driven by a desire to achieve the greater good rather than profit. Well, profit is always important. Yes. Profit is always important. Right. right? Like, let me be very clear. At the end of the day, I'm asking mm. people to let me manage their money and I'm trying to give them a return. I'm trying my right. best to give them that. Right. Um, so everything we do needs to be economically feasible. We're leading with that for sure. Mm. We're speaking about big ticket dollar items, infrastructure projects. Mm-hmm. These are generational assets that will transcend time. This isn't small. No, it's not. So when we're dealing with sovereign banks and venture capital funds, private equity funds, real estate funds, they don't play games. How would I be in meetings and doors with those people if they're, you know, if, if, if I was only going based off doing well? Mm. I want to do well. I want to help people. I want to save lives. I want to make money too. What's your favorite business book? Ooh, great question. How to Raise Venture Capital. It's on my desk right now. I'm reading it. It's a great read. What online tools would you, you couldn't live without? Ooh, Canva is one that is doing really well. One that I do a lot with. Uh, Softer is a new, yeah, the design app. Mm. Softer is a new tool out there. Simplifies the back for funds for directories. It's good. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And then everything Google. <laughs> what would we do without Google? Right. What do you wish your younger self knew? I didn't what know that. Some of yes, the wish? What do you wish your younger self knew? What are some of the lessons that you would have imparted to your younger self? I would have just started earlier about yeah. carving out my own path. Mm, mm, mm. just don't be self-conscious at an early age Mm. what else yeah that's good all right no david thank you so much i must say i'm really impressed by you and your passion to develop africa i share that vision and passion thank you so much for being on the podcast thanks for having me man i'm i'm glad to have an opportunity to chat with you all i will be following up your journey And I really wish you good luck. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers, David. That's it for this week's episode of the Upstarts and Disruptors podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss our next episode. I'm Alan Mukwena, wishing you a happy week.